We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up together. Um, most Bibles uh, will have the heading David and Goliath. Uh, but today we're just going to do Goliath. As a matter of fact, you might want to put your own name there, Manny and Goliath. You know, um, because we all have giants in our life that really we need to learn what they are, and we need to ask God for the grace and, and how to fight these giants, how to slay these giants. Um, because we're going to see today that these giants in our lives they want to get this place to where we don't really serve the Lord. You know, we serve others, ourselves, society, sometimes even the enemy. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit would make this really clear and that you guys would be blessed by the content of our study. And then, Lord willing, we're going to get into David uh, next week. But look what you read here in First Samuel 17. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits, and a span. Now we read here that the armies of the Philistines were gathered together at battle. It was a place called Soka, uh, and it says right here that it was a city that belonged to Judah. And so remember that. This was the enemy venturing into the people of God. He was venturing into their territory. Now we read here that the Philistines camp between Soka and Azekah and Ephes Damim. And I, and I wish I could show you guys a picture of this. Um, later on, I have one here for you if you want to take a look at it. But it's this beautiful valley. For some of you that have gone to Israel, you've actually been there, this valley of Elah. There is a city of Soka. There is a Philistine army camped on the north side. The, uh, the Israelite army camped on the south side of this tremendous valley right there. And we see that Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. It says in battle array. Now, I, I don't know if, what that means because... In all reality, they weren't really ready for battle. And that's a lesson for us. I think we always need to be ready for battle, right? Uh, I, I know this. The Philistines stood on one mountain. Israel was on another mountain on the other side. And there was this great valley between them. And again, look what we read in verse 4. It says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. And so I know more than likely most of you are familiar with this story, Right? Maybe there's a couple of you here that aren't. Uh, if you can just visualize this incredible battle, 
And we have this incredible giant. He's called the champion of the Philistines. Now, seen with the human eye alone, he was just absolutely intimidating, to say the least. He was over nine feet tall. Think about that, man. That'd be like two of me, you know. I mean, he was armed and dangerous and dressed for battle. The coat of mail that he was wearing by itself uh, weighed maybe even 200 pounds. Some say 125 pounds. The weight of the end of his spear was the weight of a sledgehammer, maybe even more. Some say 15, some say 25 pounds. And so here he is just, you know, swinging that around like nothing. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He had bronze on his legs. He had a bronze javelin on his back. And just in case that wasn't enough armor, he had an armor bearer who went before him, right? (laughs) And so we have this picture of just an intimidating foe. You know, a mountain, an impossibility. How in the world could we ever win against this giant? And so we read in verse 8, it says right here, it says, And then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel. And he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That's pretty much all we're going to cover tonight. Um, So let's pray. No, I'm just joking. We're not going to end right now. (laughs) You're like, cool. (laughs) No. You know, I I, I was just thinking about, you know, this guy Goliath, and he's a giant. And when you read the Bible, you come across different giants. And when you read books and you talk to Christians, and there's this whole, you know, theology kind of of giants. And, of course, we want to get weird But I do think it would be beneficial for us to be able to look at this giant because we all have giants in our land. All of us have giants in our lives. And and Lord, what is his strategy? How does he work? And Lord, teach me the tactics really of the enemy. You know, it's interesting that Goliath calls himself a Philistine. But then he identifies the men of Israel as servants of Saul. Notice again there in verse 8, he stood and cried out with the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come up to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Now, I suppose in a secondary sense, they were servants of Saul, but primarily they were servants of who? The Lord. You know, and and when I think about this, I think that we need to know really who we serve. You know, the enemy will often try to mix those things up in your life so that we lose sight of who we're really serving. God help us to remember that although the service of others is a part of our calling, the true and total heart of servanthood is that we are servants of the Lord, first and foremost. You know, something else that's kind of interesting here is that Goliath wants to make a deal. He says, you know, we don't all have to fight in this battle. We don't all have to fight. All represent my country, and you send one man to represent yours. 
And he says, and the winner becomes master over the other. Again, notice what you read there in the latter portion of verse 9. He says, but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. You see, when you read this account, there's no bones about it. There's no beating really around the bush. It really is a matter of who we will serve. It really is a matter of that in our life. You know, the agenda of our adversary is simply to bring the people of God to a place of bondage where they serve man or they serve the enemy. He just wants to make sure that you don't really serve the Lord. We know the devil tried to do this to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 8, we read again, The devil took him, Jesus, up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You see, according to Jesus, whoever we serve, we worship. You see, they're synonymous terms. They're synonymous activity, interchangeable. And therefore, you know, we really have to make this crystal clear in our hearts. The one we must follow and focus on, even when others are involved, the one that we need to focus on, the one we fall on our knees to please, is the Lord. You know, and, and that, that will free you up. That will help you so much because I really do believe that the agenda of the adversary is just to make you forget that. And when you begin to serve yourself and you begin to serve others and you lose sight of who you're really serving, it just really, really brings a lot of confusion and chaos, ambiguity in your life. See, Goliath and the Philistines, they wanted to call the shots for Israel, to dictate to them what they were and were not to do. And you know what? You'd be surprised. You know, you might be here today saying, well, I live in America and I'm free, kind of like the Jews, and we're in bondage to no one. But a lot of times when you look closer, you are. We are. If we're not very, very careful because the enemy is very, very crafty. You know, just as a quick side note, it's tragic when you see people serving man or serving society, sometimes serving the enemy, and they come to that place in their life when it seems as though they don't really even have a choice. You know, their schedule has been written by others and not by God. They're in bondage to busyness a lot of times and things that are really not spiritual. Or often we see men having to work two jobs or families requiring two incomes, not to make ends meet, You know, I know that happens sometimes. That's a different story. But oftentimes it's to build bigger barns. And their master is their money. Why? Because they're serving the standards of society. See, the enemy would love, you can serve anyone else. Serve, you know, society, that's fine. Just don't serve the Lord. And when the Lord becomes the Lord of your life, And you begin to seek Him in prayer and the Word and you're asking Him for marching orders. And every decision that you make, it just changes everything. And when you come up and whatever it is, you know, you're doing music ministry, you're teaching or whatever it is, you're for the children and you're doing it for the audience of one, then it changes everything. But we got to know who we're serving. You see, these masters can be so many things. It can be a person 
pornography, drugs, drinking, and biblical standards that oftentimes the world sets and you're just not free in your service to the Lord. The next thing you know, you're manipulated, you're frustrated and intimidated by all these giants that are ruining your life. You see, this was the goal of Goliath. And to win this battle, that would then put them in the position that they would control God's people And a large part of winning the battle, it's an interesting thing, is to plant fear into the hearts of the Israelites. And even before the battle began. Look again what we read in verse 11, because Goliath did a really good job at this. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You see, fear had gripped the hearts of the men who were called to fight by faith. We see, if you want to go over to verse 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. You see, the guys were not only dismayed, they were not only greatly afraid, they were dreadfully afraid. Maybe they were serving Saul. Because when you're serving the Lord, You are not afraid of men. And what you see, you guys, is the Lord is just teaching us these things that I think are just massive principles for us to take into consideration. I know there are probably things you've heard before, but things that really need to be clarified in your heart. Who do you serve? Who do you serve and what are you afraid of? Are you afraid to die? I mean, there's a lot worse things. It really is. What are you afraid of? You see, our fear must only be God. We can't fear what others do to us or others even say about us or think about us. When our heart is just to please God, it changes everything. And what we find right here is that the enemy, he struck fear into their hearts. Like what Pastor Chuck said, he said, fear is a horribly crippling condition. It can paralyze you and rob you of a normal life. We have heard of many phobias, claustrophobia, which is the fear of enclosed places. Any of you guys have that? (laughs) Acrophobia is the fear of heights. Agoraphobia is the fear of public places. And even phobophobia, (laughs) the fear of phobias, right? (laughs) And we can laugh at these things, right? But they aren't funny if you're spiritually afflicted by them. You see? That's why the most repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid, right? Don't be afraid, you guys. Don't be afraid to take those steps of faith to fight by doing what's right in God's sight. Any of you here, sometimes you'll notice this with your children, and this is, I know, a different issue, but, you know, sometimes you have your different, you know, children, and then some of them are just not afraid, huh, to just venture out and to do roller coasters, and others, they just would never do it, right? And, you know, there's just some people like that. You take that now into your Christian life, and they're just afraid. They're much afraid. They're much afraid. And that's why we have to understand this is what it looks like. When the giants come into your life, these giants that God has called you to slay for his glory and your good, you're going to sit on the sidelines shaking in your boots. The enemy will come with this intimidating look. And from human eyes, yeah, it's impossible but no matter what your giant is, you've got to know, we're going to learn this as we go through our study today, that, man, you know, the Lord can give you truly the victory over whatever those things are. Admittedly, 
when you first begin to do battle as a soldier in the Lord's army, your flesh might get those feelings of fear. I'm not saying you don't feel afraid sometimes, but we conquer those feelings by faith. And if you do, in a situation like this, then one would go forth, right, and face the giant and fight the giant and watch the giant fall. You see, there are Davids and there are Joshuas and there are Calebs and there are others in the Bible. It's so cool when you read about these guys. You know, one of them killed a giant with six fingers on each hand and six toes. He was just a huge guy, right? And, you know, they, they're giant killers and it's so cool. But I think, in all honesty, when you read the Bible and when you look at the church today, that the giant killers are the minority of the church. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I would say that, you know, that the ones that really kill the giants are very rare. But that's our calling today. That's why you're here today. God called you here today. And I believe he wants to train us up and raise us up to be giant killers. We've got to be so careful. Remember back in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, when the men of Israel, they spied out the land and they brought back the bad report. They were quenchers. They were doubters. And they said, you know what? There's no way we can win over this issue. They're giants and we're grasshoppers were midgets were nothing in their sight and they gave a bad report you see there are giants we got to face them we can't be dodgers okay guys we got to face these giants right fight these giants you know, I know many people who are dreadfully afraid. And there's just so many examples I can use. But, you know, here's a real practical one. Because it's not just one or two. I know many people who were afraid, dreadfully afraid of teaching. I was one of them. Dreadfully afraid of this whole thing. You know, but thankfully that didn't stop them. It didn't stop them, Right? Thankfully, they didn't remain on the sidelines as wannabe soldiers of the Lord. Thankfully, they did not die in that paralysis. They did not die in that fear. No, they faced their giants. They fought those fears. And now it's so cool to see so many of them. Their only fear is God. See, you've got to go through those things. You know, this chapter is so epic. And, you know, when I thought about just going through it, I thought, you know what? I don't want to just skim it, Lord. I want to glean everything I can from this guy, Goliath, who is representative of the various hurdles and obstacles and challenges that I will face in life. And as I was reading this right here, I was like, Lord, well, what can I learn? And, you know, there's a lot of things. We'll go through them and summarize it at the end. But, you know, another thing that we see here in looking at our text is that the strategy of Satan is how he convinces us to play his game and according to his rules. The truth is, you guys, we don't have to do that. But in order for us to be able to discern that, we need a lot of, a lot of insight, a lot of prayer. You know, I'll be the first to admit that fighting a man like a Goliath, the nine-footer, the champion from the Philistines, is not something that I would, you know, just shrug at. I mean, come on, you guys, let's be honest. Even the tallest guy here, the biggest guy here, the buffest guy here, the baddest guy here, if you saw a nine-footer, I mean, unless you've already killed a, a bear and a lion, you know, it probably wouldn't be that easy for us to really go and run to the battle. You know, I'm a lover, not a fighter, right? That's what we would say, right? I mean, this guy's big, he's bold, he's broad, and he's bad. And so would you run to the battle? 
Would you be quick to go one-on-one with him? Yeah, you say, now that you have the whole story, right? But here's the thing, right? Who says you've got to go one-on-one with him? Who says you've got to do this all alone? Who says? Goliath does. The Philistines do. You know, and don't get me wrong, there will be battles that you and I must face alone in one sense. The Lord is with us. But, you know, in looking at the story right here and just kind of, you know, pretending like you were Saul, you know, why is he playing according to the rules of the enemy? Don't let the enemy dictate the rules of the battle. You know, if I were in Saul's battle shoes, again, I don't know if I would have had the courage to fight Goliath all alone, but the thing is, is I don't think he ever had to. I really don't. I mean, he should have simply led the armies of Israel to victory in unison against the enemy. But what ends up happening, you know, he just falls prey to the words of Goliath. And, you know, we know the story. David comes along later, defeats the giant, you know, and and David right there has that kind of faith. And we know that if Saul had that kind of faith, he would have been enabled to do the same thing. But I don't know if he necessarily had to do it all alone like that, you know. And I just pray that we would know, because to me, this is an important lesson, that we would know that we're not all alone. That we don't have to face all our giants all by ourselves. You know, we can ask others to join us in prayer and perhaps even in other practical ways, even though it might be humbling to admit you can't beat this giant on your own. Especially for someone like Saul, huh? Who's supposed to be the man, right? He's he's the king of Israel, right? And that would be hard for him to admit, you know what, I'm afraid. You know what? I don't know if I can take him by myself. You know, for me as a pastor, for some of you leaders here, you know, you might feel the same kind of pressure to where, you know, everybody expects you to just have it all together. And so you can't succumb to a place of saying, can you help me out? I'm struggling. My family's struggling. You know, and a lot of times what we find is that the enemy dictates the the rules of the games that he plays. And for whatever strange reason, we abide by his rules. Sometimes we think we have to fight these giants all alone and we can't ask for anyone to help us because that would not show our abilities, just our vulnerabilities. And so what ends up happening? We're alone. And, you know, there are some things that you're going to have to fight by yourself, but there are some things that unless you get the help of a brother or sister to share those burdens and bear those burdens, you will never overcome. It's just God's way of teaching us lessons. You know, if God calls you and tells you to do this all by yourself, you know, then that's cool. He'll strengthen you like he did David. But if not, don't let the enemy tell you what to do you don't have to do this alone proverbs 18 verse 1 what does it say a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire he rages against all wise judgment and galatians 6 verse 2 in the nlt it says share one another's burdens and so you guys in going through our study today you know i just wanted to give you a few things. We'll close with just four things that maybe you can write down. And here's the thing, okay? Um, 
I was thinking about this, and in my own life, it's hard. You know, today, I was trying to study and do different things, and I was trying to get to my assignment, like, what are my giants in my life, Lord? But I couldn't. It takes time. I think, you know, it's going to be something that you've got to pray over. But I would encourage you to consider this week, you know, spending some time with the Lord and writing down maybe some of those giants in your own life. What are they? And, and what's the approach, Lord? How, how can I go forward? How can, you know, I slay this giant? You know, one of the things we learned today is just to be servants of the Lord. To be servants of the Lord and clarify that in your hearts even now. You know, don't be servants of some human royalty or servants of society or servants of the enemy. I really pray that you would have that clear in your heart that you would be servants of the Lord and you'd win that battle. Number two, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of anyone or anything but God. Face those giants, fight those giants by faith and watch those giants fall one by one. You know, don't be afraid to obey. And and then a lot of times that's really what it is. You're afraid to obey. (laughs) You know, to teach that study. Or to reach out to that sinner. Or to love that non-believing husband. Or to break up with that girl or that guy because they're wearing you down, right? (laughs) And tearing you down. Sometimes you're afraid to step up to the ministry and some people are afraid to step down from the ministry when God calls them to. They're afraid. They're just afraid to follow the Lord. And we have to have it in our heart, you know, Not to be servants of men, but to be servants of the Lord and to make sure that we fear Him and Him only. You know, again, like I said, I would encourage you to have this homework assignment and prayerfully identify any giants in your life. And you might wonder, well, how can I know if it's a giant, Manny? How can I know if it's a giant? Well, number one, is there anything or anyone that's bringing you into bondage? Anything. You know, I was thinking about these Olympians. Uh, and, you know, um, I was thinking about the way that they pretty much uh, overcame themselves. huh? Now, of course, we know they did it for a perishable crown. And who knows, maybe in the back of their mind, the whole time they're thinking about, when I win the gold, I'm going to be like Usain Bolt and tell everybody that I'm the greatest. Of course, that's not why we do it. But if they can discipline themselves and overcome themselves for that crown, I think that that we should be able to do the same. Some Christians, they can't live on a budget. Why not? Some Christians, they can't say no to double-doubles. Why not? I mean, that's, that's, that's bringing you into bondage. I mean, you name it. They can't turn off the television. They can't pray. They can't really study the Bible. They, you know, there's just so many things. You know, there might be an individual over there. And, you know, not only, you know, because we could think, well, it's them. It's them. And, you know, they've got an issue. And maybe they do. But you and I, we've got an approach towards them. Maybe that's something that we need to overcome and improve on. I don't know what it is. I know that there are things that we need to ask the Lord to show us. Is there anything that's bringing you into bondage? 
Is there anything that's standing between you and the promised land? Or maybe another angle in discovering a giant in your life is that is there anything or anyone other than God who you are afraid of? And you'd be surprised how that can happen. You know, people sometimes involved in ministry, afraid that someone else is going to take over. And they begin to make decisions based on fear. That, that's never right in God's sight. You know, if I'm the one that's got to hold this ministry together, then I feel sorry for you guys, man. I feel sorry for this church. I've got to trust the Lord. All I know is this, that is there anything you're afraid of? You know, I just want to encourage you just to absolutely surrender. Trust the Lord. We can't be afraid to cry or die. We can't be afraid to ail or fail. We have to trust the Lord. Be servants of the Lord. Don't be afraid of anyone or anything but God. Number three, don't play the devil's game or according to the devil's rules. That's why, again, we always go back to this. It's so important that you and I are in the word. You're in the word because, you know, you're constantly hearing these voices and they're coming from so many angles and they might even be Christians and you're talking and you're talking and you're talking, but they're not talking the Bible. That's not fellowship. That's not really godly counsel. And so you have to be able to sift through all these things and you have to be able to kind of like, for me anyways, going into the day, going into the day, already having heard the voice of God. Psalm chapter one, you guys know it, right? You guys know it? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in it once in a while, right? What? Day and night. Day and night. I'm telling you right here, man, because if not, if you're not meditating in the Word of God day and night, seriously, and we know what meditating is, right? That's not like, got it done, I did my three chapters. That's talking to yourself. That's like talking to yourself. Lord, what does this mean? Lord, and you know, you're just, to me, I'm writing scriptures down, I'm highlighting, I'm circling, I'm engaging in the text. Why? Because I know that if I don't, then just like that, I am going to begin to play the enemy's game by the enemy's rules. You see, and we have to be so careful of that. You know, the last thing kind of goes with the third thought, and that is this. Unless God says otherwise, you don't have to bear this battle alone. You don't have to bear this burden all alone. And this is where it can get really tough, man, because, you know, opening up and wearing your heart and your sleeve and being a transparent Christian it's, it's kind of tough sometimes, you know. You've got to find a friend. You've got to pray for someone to come alongside you and do, you know, I wonder, man, just do you have someone? Do you have someone like that? At times, you know, it's not just an individual. It might even be the whole church. And they can be part of meeting and beating those challenges and those giants in your life. And I pray, you guys, we would understand that This is the way the enemy works, these vices in our life, these strangleholds in our life, these giants in our life that just like David slew that giant, you and I are called to do. And you know, there's there's not a coincidence that in the word, in the name Goliath, and his name means strip because he wants to just strip you of everything, right? 
the I is emphasized, huh? Goliath, right? <laughs> Goliath. Because who's, who's the giant really? A lot of times it's just me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to overcome myself. Because I know for sure so many times that it's me, me. I'm the greatest enemy. I pray that we would know 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Now Paul the Apostle said, I beat my body, man. I give it black eyes and bruises and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. It would be so cool, you guys, if we became good stewards of our temple, of God's time, of God's talents, of God's treasures. The Lord has been consuming me lately with being a good steward of those four things. My temple, his time, the talents, and the treasure, living within my means. And then the last two things, being a good steward of the gospel and the gang, which is my family. The Coronia clan, right? <laughs> and I think for me, it's, it's so much a matter of just being good stewards of those things that God gives us to take care of. And as we take care of those things, you're going to find it's so amazing. You know, God will do such a wonderful work in your life. One last thing before we go. Uh, and I, and I got to at least share this, you know. Uh, we know Goliath is symbolic of who? And Ultimately, who is he symbolic of? The enemy, right? The enemy. And David is symbolic of who? Jesus. Jesus. Aren't you guys glad that David slew Goliath? Aren't you guys glad, man, that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has already won the victory for us? That's why the Bible says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's why we worship him. That's why we live for him. We judge thus that if he died for all, then all died. And if he died, then we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him, right? The one who died for us. You know, when it comes to victory and this whole thing, because I don't want to put a whole bunch of pressure on you, you know. You know, you don't fight for victory. You fight what? From victory. God's already given you the victory in Christ Jesus over all the giants of your life. Now I want to encourage you to identify those giants and go forward as soldiers, just like David did. Why? Because Jesus did. I pray, you guys, we would have this heart that we would go forward, man, from this day forward. And the Lord would really, really do a new work. But it's going to take some homework. It's going to take some examination. And just in case you're here today, and I don't know, you know, hopefully... We're all Christians here, but there's a chance that there might be some that don't know the Lord. You've got to know this, that the way that Jesus slew the enemy, the devil and death, is by dying on that cross for your sins. All your sins that you've ever done. And the Bible says this, that if you would turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ today, the Bible says you will be saved. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 What should we do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. Even you and your household. That's our prayer, man. So cool, huh, to know the gospel, so simple, 
But just in case you're here today and you need to know that power, that power of freedom and forgiveness, whatever you do, don't leave without Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing us to study your word, Lord. I pray that, Lord, you would do a work, that we would yield to you, that we would cooperate. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.